Hey guys, welcome to The Debrief. This is our debrief after the episode with Devin Finzner. Uh, Finzer, sorry, Devin. I mess up your name from time to time. Fin, Finzer, Devin Finzer. Finzer, sir, you got it right. That's yeah. right. Did I say that? At least one of those times I may have said not, that. Not earlier in the episode, but not on the debrief, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Devin. Maybe Devin has bankless premium. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know if he's listening to this, but if you are, Devin, I apologize. He said he was a bankless listener. He said mm-hmm. to listen to all of our episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how that's possible. We have 245 right. episodes, 246 now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this will be the 247th if we're, if we're counting uh, every single thing that has ever gone out on the, the Libsyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to count everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it was good to talk to, to Devin. This is like, if I'm thinking about uh, breakout platforms, like every year, it seems like crypto has one, right? So like in previous years, it's been something like Coinbase, you know, in other years, it's been something like, like a Uniswap. I really feel like 2021 was OpenSea's year. Right. They crushed it. They were the unicorn of unicorns from an app perspective. And so uh, getting his take on the growth story was uh, was really cool. What were some of your thoughts, David? Yeah. On that note, I think like one of the most astounding things is like if you go to the Dune Analytics page for OpenSea, uh, you you showed it in. uh, Yeah. In the in the podcast, you can do it again. But we, uh, we, there was just that massive gargantuan. If you want to uh, rewind history back to like a month and a half ago. Oh my God. We had that September spike. Like imagine how crazy that September spike is looking in comparative to like the month that came before it, right? So yeah. $330 million in volume. All of a sudden, the next month, you're doing literally 10X that, doing $3.3 billion. And the crazy thing is like all that already that candle is absolutely insane. But the crazy thing is the next candle right afterwards is equally as large. Yeah. Right. So like, sure. Like we're going from one month to two months. Maybe, maybe it's just a two month flash in the pan rather than a one month flash in the pan. But like the continuation of monthly volume from the first monthly volume spike of a 10 X and that have a, having actual continuation is pretty insane. I it's love that you insane. call these candles, by the way. They're candles, yeah. They're yeah. candles. They're, they're well, they're, I guess this is a bar chart, so it's okay, actually a bar. Ba- they're actually a bar. You could barely see this, right? Uh, in January, I've got a uh, mouse scrolled over there, um, hovering over there. Um, $8 million. They were doing $8 million in volume in January this year. They were probably okay. super happy about that, too. I'm sure they were like, it's a breakout, best January ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And now here they are. Um I almost get the sense, like when we talked to Devin really briefly after the fact, he was like, I feel like I just came on bankless and you're telling me it was March. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it was March. And I had to look that up to be fair too, because mm-hmm. this year has been such a blur, but I can imagine how much of a blur it's been when you're the founder of a, a company that is seeing yep. that level of growth from $8 million, not even fully through the year to uh, monthly volume to over 3 billion in monthly volume. I, like this kind of growth doesn't happen outside of crypto, David. And yeah, absolutely not, right? What's super cool about this growth too is like uh, you got into the conversation of tokens and IPOs. I didn't think you would answer that question. You didn't, but- No, but you have to ask. You have to ask. Um, but like they did this without a token. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So product market fit for NFTs yep. confirmed. I feel that more strongly than ever. And, uh, you know, even like just a little bit more strongly after that episode with Devin. Yeah. You you said you don't see that kind of growth outside of crypto. And that's, that's a worth uh, a point worth hammering on is like the permissionless nature of these markets, the non 
sign in with your email password, uh, you know, accessibility and just the, the nature of like valuable digital goods, it's so easy to just break massive records of what, of like, it just breaks your, if you use a web two mind and like a typical financial markets mind to like model these things and measure these things, it's just going to break your brain. It's all exponential. but it's a it's a paradigm breaking phenomenon. Uh, yeah. Like the when it works, it really works. Right? Totally, totally, yeah. And the, the other cool thing I asked back about that is like Devin said, like he there there was seven people on the team before the first like NFT mania struck in like November August ish of 2020, and now they're a 45 person team. Like if if it was if we were in the Web two world and we had like eBay have its first like breakout quarter or like, uh, you know, Twitter, Jack Dorsey, like the world opening up, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to get him on the podcast. The the nature of crypto is that like, everybody's a lot closer to the ground. Everybody's a lot more humble. Everybody's a lot more collaborative. And so like, we, we can just chit chat with these like brand new unicorn, like, like superstars in a very casual, like a casual setting. No one knows his name yet. Yeah, right? Right. I felt mm-hmm. the same with Hayden Adams. I was like, oh my God, this is one of like, no one knows who Hayden Adams, the founder of Uniswap is right, right now. And mm-hmm. everyone in crypto does, but I'm talking mainstream. Sure. It's, it's a surreal feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, it, it's cool to have that different, difference in culture, right? Like somebody, CEO of some company, company does like absolute success. And the CEO is just like this humble guy that shows up on podcasts. So like, oh, yeah. cool. All right. It's like, and he's, he listens to bank lists. He finds right. the time to listen to bank lists. That's super mm-hmm. cool. So one other interesting thread, I think, to, that we pulled uh, in that conversation is the recent adoption of um, NFTs by Web2 companies and social media companies, social media platforms, that is. And I think that is just getting started. It's underreported. It's underappreciated how impactful it would be. And we, like made that comment about it took them forever and they're still not doing it to adopt tokens in cryptocurrency, right? They're still barely doing it. But NFTs, NFTs just had a few good months and every Web2 company that's a social media platform company is about to be falling over themselves to build features for NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. NFTs don't have the regulatory scrutiny of of tokens. They don't have a parallel at all in the real world or in in the traditional internet world, right? Like you can maybe use Visa for payments or crypto, but there's no substitute for NFTs and they're really easy to add. It's just software, right? The infrastructure we're talking about for um, Twitter to add like blue checkmark NFT capability is, oh, we'll just like build some features and set up some uh, API calls and like we can read the blockchain directly and it's done. Mm -hmm. So this is going to happen like a tidal wave, David. And here's the problem I always find myself in with with, uh, crypto is like, People, sometimes people ask you and I, like, why, like, can you be bearish for once? Why are you guys always, I'm always bullish because something big is happening all of the freaking time. Hey, I will absolutely be bearish as soon as there's reason to be bearish about, but like, find them for me. Exactly. So how can you be bearish NFTs when Twitter is about to add them to its hundreds of millions of users on its platform and giving every single NFT that is owned on Ethereum or other chains, but particularly Ethereum, additional legitimacy. Right. Does that add instantly 50% to the value of all NFTs to the floor? Does it add 150%? Does it add right. 10X? I don't know. This is the same thing with, with Ether. People asking us to be bearish about Ether. I'm like, but it's why? burning ETH every day. 
the merge is about to, you know, uh, cut down on issuance by 90%. How the hell do you expect me to be bearish under these? <laughs> it work like this. And like, just, just like you said, like Twitter is just one Silicon Valley web two company, right? As soon as one of these things do this, it's just going to turn into a tidal wave of mimetics, right? It's like, oh, yeah. well, Twi- Twitter has NFTs in mimetics, them. Like, exactly. we, we need NFTs. Mimetic like, desire. Like, yeah. Uh, TikTok, also NFTs on Immutable, on a, a layer two. Yeah. It has already done that this, just, right? That just happened today as we're so recording this. All of Silicon Valley is about to be hit by Almost. like the NFT tidal wave. And like you said it perfectly, like the impl- implications of like integrating like stable coins or Bitcoin payments or ether payments or whatever are massive, right? Like, are, does that make us like a money transmitter? Does that make us a banking institution? Like yeah, scary. Right, what incumbents do we have to scary piss off? are going to be breathing down my right, neck. Yeah, exactly. But NFTs, like, no, dude, they're just cute penguins. Just like just <laughs> integrate them, like whatever. Like there's literally no cost. If your users don't like it, whatever strip out the future later but like having it not be these financial money money currency um applications financial applications just makes it such a no-brainer of just like there are no costs to actually doing this yeah there's no cost only upside and there's going to be like a fomo and tidal wave of this um mm. you know the other interesting thread we we pulled on as well i, I know you didn't mention the uh the employee's name but um maybe we could say it for our sure. you know bankless uh premium subscribers nate the, the smaller smaller cohort of bankless subscribers yeah right uh so he i believe i didn't i did, don't know nate um, and I, I, I believe he formerly worked at consensus. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. in the space who knew him. Um, you know, s- some have said Mike Dudas tweeted out something like, I know Nate in person. I remember right after this happened, right. he's uh, a good he's, guy. A, good, he's yeah. a good person. And like, and he got totally, I did right. the Jonah Hill, like not right now, Mike, right. Right. Uh, right. Gift right. under that. But like, right. because I felt like, you know, uh, crypto as an industry right. has to reckon with this first, mm-hmm. but, uh, I don't know Nate's story. Maybe this was a slip up, I guess, but like he was front running users. Right. So right. I think OpenSea took the right action in, in removing him from his position. But, um, you asked about the weight that, uh, OpenSea, like Devin felt about holding up the NFT market. I wonder if Devin and other founders feel the weight of like, regulatory scrutiny, mm. right? That could come on this industry. We all have such high expectations right. for people working in these, in these positions of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. They have to be, they have to, um, co- you know, commit themselves to going above and beyond to right. be open and transparent and not causing issues like, right. like the issue that, that Nate caused mm-hmm. or else the entire industry suffers, Right. right? We're going to have some regulator who wants to expand his or her uh, scope, say, no, you know, NFTs will be mine, right? Right. Let's create this new regulatory NFT agency. Just I declare myself the regulator of NFTs. And and they'll say, why? And you get a senator, maybe it's Elizabeth Warren, maybe it's someone from the right. I have no idea. He'll say, this is terrible what's going on. Like they're front running pudgy penguins and like NFTs and like, and, and they'll be they'll be right, you know? So it could go very badly if this industry doesn't self-regulate and is not careful. And I hope people like Devin feel the full weight of that on their shoulders. Right. This is why people ask for clarity so frequently, right? Because when there's lack of clarity and things are up for interpretation, when somebody like like Nate Chassain does and front runs the markets, that lack of clarity can work 
mountains against him, right? It's like all, all the interpretation that officials and regulators can take in order to do what they want with you, they will take, right? And so this clarity, this lack of clarity is really, really critical because it means almost anything we can do can be left for up for interpretation by a court of law, so long as there's a regulator with a bank role and an incentive and a motivation. And there's a lot of regulators with a lot of motivation to legitimize and justify their existence. And there's like, you know, this company, OpenSea, that's doing $3 billion in volume. Like it doesn't matter what the right. That's a lot. It's it doesn't finance, matter what man. the regulators are. They it just matter will, they'll find a, a way. Security. Yeah. Right. They'll find a way. Yeah. And, you know, he, he corrected you, I think rightfully so. And this isn't insider trading, David. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And I think he's correct from a legal perspective. Right. He's right? clearly looked up that definition. <laughs> yes. Uh, but from a practical perspective, mm-hmm. right. What else do you call it? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what else will an aggressive, um, like member of the legislative branch Right. Try to call it when they're creating legislation for this. And it's not that we don't want legislation or like regulators. It's like Mm -hmm. back to our conversation with former CFTC commissioner, Brian uh, Quintes. He's like, Congress does one of two things, either nothing or like too too much, much." (laughs) you know, it's like one or the other. And so Mm -hmm. if they start doing too much and put in place crazy, unnecessary burdens on, on the space that actually don't help anyone. I, that's what I think we're trying to prevent. So right. we should, I hope this industry can front run that problem and right. self-regulate. Hopefully. And, and that's exactly what we are doing, right? Like the employee got, got let go. Yep. Um, and then there's like other examples of this too, right? Like some exchanges go down during times of market volatility. Well, you know what happens next? People just move to different exchanges. It's trivial, right? And so there is this concept of like free market regulation, free market forces yeah, pushing and, things and, into the directions that we want them to. And to your point, right? Don't forget how this was discovered. It was a right. rando twi- Twitter user yep. who was like, yep. I'm looking at the blockchain right. and I'm seeing some activity. It was no, like, no, no. Linked, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like linked to an account that held some NFTs that was, you know, known as a, a you know, Nate's account. And that's how it was traced. Right. So that's, an do, we do do a good job of self-regulating, but like I, I highly doubt that the regulators actually appreciate that. Yeah, and and they need to. Um, all right, what else should we talk about? Um, NFTs, why now? He had some good answers for that. Um, oh, the the vampire tax. Let's talk about that for for mm-hmm. for a minute. So, w- what's your feeling on that? I think the interesting thread in that conversation we could pull back here is like, um, you know, you can over-index on decentralization at the app layer, I think, and. Mm-hmm. Um, be too slow to deliver features that drive product market fit that users want. Right. And I felt like that's kind of the point that Devin was making is like, Hey, as a centralized company, like we're not taking custody of assets. We're using, you know, Mm -hmm. Ethereum and, you know, the way it was meant to be used, Mm -hmm. but um, what do you want us to decentralize? Right. Right. You, You want some sort of committee in a DAO, making mm-hmm. all of the minutia of decisions, like that's not going to get you the best product, guys. Right. So, like, what are you asking us to decentralize? Practically, we'll try to decentralize those things, but we're not just going to decentralize everything for the sake of marketing. No, I think that's a really, really fair take. Um, and there is a, a nuance to be had about like the differences between a centralized company with black box ledgers and a centralized company that that outsources it's ledger management responsibilities to Ethereum, right? And it's the same thing that, we, that you, what you and I want to see the banks do 
is we want all the banks to gut out their internal ledgers, replace them, we replace them with a roll up. And yep. all of a sudden they are, their roll up is their ledger. Right. And like all of a sudden I will like banks a lot more once, once they do that. Right. Because they've outsourced their responsibilities to public permissionless open source ledgers. Um, and that's what OpenSea has already done. So like, I definitely take Devin's point. It's like, yeah, they have outsourced all of the responsibilities that they can outsource to Ethereum. They have, and like to, to some degree, that's like almost as best as you need to go as far as you need to go. Like the, the rest can be done on a centralized, like optimized, you know, just centralized company. And like that can be progressive fastest because you've allowed Ethereum to do the things that Ethereum is really, really good at, which is asset management, property rights, et cetera. Here's something though, that, that could be, I guess we could argue the case for why a vampire attack might work, right? Is back to the question you asked, token or IPO, right? And he was like, no answer, no comment, right? He also said, I don't want it, like we're, we're not in a position where we need to be rushed into a token. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, if you have like two similar applications, right? But one provides a token right. to its users and the other doesn't, right? right? And if there's anything about the, the OpenSea story that uh, isn't amazing, and this is no fault for to, to OpenSea right. or uh, to anybody involved, this is the fault of accredited investor regulations in the US, right? Something that we need to disband with, but only private investors. And in the US, that means if you have a million dollars in net assets have been able to invest in OpenSea up to this point and capture that growth. In a tokenized world, right? There would be an airdrop of tokens Mm -hmm. to all of the users that helped make OpenSea a success, okay? But now private investors big VCs are kind of taking all of those gains from users. Can that stand up against a real vampire attack with somebody who's like, hey, we'll do what OpenSea does, but you get a token this time. Right. Which platform would and you not only the use? token, but like OpenSea takes 2.5%. And so they Lower take fee. that, right, yeah. just put just put the 2.5% in the token, right? And like all of a sudden community is like, yay. Yeah. So right. can, can it stand up against that is the question. Right. Or will they find themselves in... The position that kind of Uniswap did a little bit, which is like when SushiSwap came aboard, they're forced into the position of of right. issuing a token early. Maybe they would have anyway, but they definitely did it as a result of Sushi Sushi Swap at the time they did. It's definitely a, it feels like a Schrodinger's um, I don't know what you want to call it Schrodinger's like vampire Dilemma. attack, right? Yeah, like, sure right. Yeah. So like they don't they haven't been vampire attacked yet. And so if some team, it's going to have to be a team, right? It can be an individual. Some team wants to come in vampire attack OpenSea. Like, it's not, it's not like it's easy to run OpenSea. Like, they've been doing it for years. They're still behind on, like, shipping products. It's like, oh, guys, let's just vampire attack OpenSea and we'll have all this fork it. Like, no, you can't actually just fork OpenSea. It's I'm an open source software. developer and yeah. I'm here to fix OpenSea, right? Yeah, right. Like, and so like, are, do you, are you really about that life? Like when you vampire attack OpenSea, are you actually committed to the project or did you just launch a token and it's branded as like the OpenSea DeFi like token, right? Like, are you actually in it for the long haul? Do you think the, the nebulous community of token recipients are actually going to compete with a centralized company that has funding? Uh, like, uh, do you think you can pull that off? And like, it's not just like uh, vampire attacking Uniswap because Uniswap is literally an on-chain application. 
OpenSea is not an on-chain application, so it's a lot harder to vampire attack them. So maybe that's why Devin feels a lot safer in his position. My gut is that he should feel relatively safe, right? Mm-hmm. It's like but again, until he gets vampire attacks, and maybe it does work, and then like, well, there's the Schrodinger's dilemma about it. There's an element where I, I, I hope it does work to some extent because what it does for OpenSea is it makes them level up their game and right. maybe it, in, it increases the pressure to do some sort of token right. initiative. Right. The users that community that, ownership. Yeah, and I, I, I think the reason that an OpenSea is not doing a token is obviously like regulatory type reasons, other things. Um, so I mean, they could again, also literally be doing a token tomorrow. We wouldn't know. Maybe they could. Well, we definitely need Devin on. We can't wait like six months to. (laughs) Devin, you were just on the podcast. God damn it. (laughs) No alpha. This show is for alpha, sir. What are you doing to us? Uh, All right, man. I think we covered it all. Anything else, Mm -hmm. I guess? Um, I think we're good there. Metaverse stuff. What do you think of his uh, portfolio? He's really into crypto voxels and virtual worlds, right? It's a pretty tame portfolio. Sound like like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like every time I go open onto my own company's website to purchase an NFT, I'm like, maybe I should get back to work. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great line. That was a great. Yeah, line. I felt it. I felt that. Um, all right, that's it, guys. Thanks for hanging with us in the debrief. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.